0: Girlfriends, episode number 350, Why Knowing Our History Matters with Anna Mitchell. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance and joy in family living. This week we have a special guest, Anna Mitchell, who's going to be talking about why knowing our history, especially as a church, matters to us and our kids. I can't wait for this fun conversation. Let's get going. Hey girlfriend, welcome. Glad you're here. How's your Advent going? Do you have anxiety yet? Are you stressing about Christmas? Are you doing some of the stuff we talked about last week about taking on something more, taking on something less? giving more, giving less, reading more, reading less. I'd love to hear from you if you're doing any of those things and how it's going for you. So for us here, I'm pre-recording this song. We're not quite in the thick of Advent yet, but I am just really looking forward to the simplicity of this season because I'm taking my own advice and I am letting go of a lot of things that I typically do that no longer matter. I'm going to report after the fact. So sometime in the new year, we'll have kind of like an assessment that's not just Advent related, but life related. Like the importance of letting go of some things, like letting go of activities and commitments that no longer serve you, letting go of habits that that don't serve you. So there's a lot that we can explore there, but I'd love to hear from you about how it's going. So definitely drop me a note or connect with me on social media and let me know about how your Advent's going or you can be joining us in the Girlfriends Community. It's not too late for you to join us on our Advent journey. So over at girlfriendscommunity.com, if you become a member there, it's a way of going deeper with the podcast, connecting about all the topics we talk about here, but really growing in a community of women who are there expressly for the purpose of encouraging each other in faith and family living. It's really a joy getting to know these wonderful women there. So you can check it out at girlfriendscommunity.com and become a part of our Advent project, which is Each day during the season of Advent, we are reading one chapter from the Gospel of Luke and reflecting on it. And we're being led in reflection and prayer by Catholic author and speaker, Colleen Duggan. And the theme of this reading project is healing hearts in Advent. Colleen just shares so beautifully about ways that Jesus is calling you to draw closer to him during the Advent season, and mostly the ways that he wants to heal your heart what does your heart need healing from? We all need healing. And Advent is a beautiful time to consider the ways that Jesus, the presence of Jesus in your life can do exactly that. So again, join us over at healing Hearts in Advent at girlfriendscommunity.com. Also, I want to remind you, if you have not yet subscribed to the show notes, It's a great way to stay connected. Just connect with me every week through the show notes by texting the word girlfriends to 33777. It's that simple. Stop and do it right now and then we'll be connected. And you won't ever have to worry about following up, making sure you get the links, blah, blah, blah. We talk about so many awesome things here, and we have so many great guests. And I know you want the links to their materials and the different kinds of things that we share here. So text the word girlfriends to 33777. All right, today we are talking with my good friend, longtime friend, Anna Mitchell from the Sunrise Morning Show at Sacred Heart Radio. So I am overjoyed to actually be on the other side of the interview because Anna and I talk every week on her show, and I'm always the one being interviewed. She's been on Girlfriends once before, but this is a a different topic, a little bit of a different take, and I'm excited to share this conversation with you. Take a listen. Joining me here today on Girlfriends is a special guest and a longtime friend of mine, longtime colleague of mine. I'm a frequent guest on her radio show, and I feel like I've just known her forever. So this is Anna Mitchell, who's here with me today. Anna is wife to Will and mother of four, Roma Tommy, Freddie, and Agnes. And she's the producer and co-host with Matt Swaim of the Sunrise Morning Show, which airs on EWTN radio Monday through Friday from 6 to 8 a.m. Eastern. You can listen to the show live or if you don't wake up early, you can listen in podcast form at sunrisemorningshow.com. Anna, welcome to Girlfriends. I'm so happy you're here.
1: Oh, I'm so happy to be back, Danielle. Thank you for having me. Yeah,
0: of course. This is always fun. I I like these. So we have our weekly conversations on your show. For more than a decade now. (laughs) I know. Isn't that just crazy? It's crazy. It is crazy. Crazy. We cannot be that old, but... Apparently we are. And uh, yeah, but it's been so it's fun fine. doing that, like in little 10 minute segments, like once a week, mm-hmm. I, I just feel like I've really gotten to know you and I feel like part of the family over there. So really a, a joy to be able to have you back on Girlfriend. So you, you came once before and I'll link to that episode so people can get the, the full Anna Mitchell experience. And that one you were talking about making daily prayer a habit. And that was a really popular topic with our listeners. But today we're going to dive into something a little bit different different. Um, You're going to be speaking as a mom, especially talking about how our our history, especially as a church matters, how we can see that God is active and living in uh, in our lives today. But you have a special story about your daughter, Roma, that I think would be a great place for us to start. Can you share that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, This was in, well, the story starts, I guess you could say, in November of 2019. I had a What my son, Freddie, our third child, was about two months old when when this started happening. Roma started getting sick. She was five at the time Mm -hmm. and in early November. And it you know, at first it just seemed like kind of a stomach bug kind of issue, you know, like any kid gets that time of year. Right. And um, and so she was often on sick for that for most of the month of November in and out of school. She was in kindergarten. And eventually there was one day that she just seemed really, really extremely dehydrated, like just kind of scarily dehydrated wow. to the point that I called my husband who was at work, Will, and and told him he should probably come home. We need to take her to the emergency room. Will works in a hospital, so he knows the drill with all of this stuff and was basically the, the whole thing was. I think she just needs to get some IV fluid. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I wasn't terribly worried at this point, right. but Will comes home. He takes her to the uh, the children's emergency room and he ended up having to stay overnight in the waiting room Jeez. with her. My mother-in-law came over to uh, to watch the the two boys so I could go into work. And Will finally got in with Roma some point while the sunrise morning show was going on. (laughs) Um, So I'm at work on the air, um, you know, getting text message updates about, you know, they're getting in and seeing the doctor and whatnot. Right. Well, Um. then somewhere in the the final hour of the show, he actually called me during a break. And so I have like two minutes, right? This mm-hmm. is all of our breaks are like two minutes long, but I'm on the phone with him. <laughs> They're mommy breaks. And, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so he calls me and he says, you know, they they think that she just has a couple of viruses that kind of piggybacked on top of each other. But there was this one symptom that she was having that they were a little concerned about and wanted to look in more. And that was that she was experiencing light sensitivity. And, you know, like, you know, like Mm -hmm. how when you wake up in the morning and you turn on the light and you go like, well, she was having that all the time. And so uh, the doctors were a little concerned about that. And they recommended doing a CAT scan just to be safe. They said, you know, it's probably nothing, but it would also be good to to just make sure. Mm -hmm. And um, they suggested a CAT scan or or scheduling an MRI on her on her brain. And um Will's, Will's talking to me and he's. it's so funny how he talks to me because he knows that I'm like a penny pincher, right? I'm just so <laughs> stingy with our money. And he goes, OK, so we could get a CAT scan right now, which is cheaper. But the imaging, this is also like the healthcare worker. Oh, sure. To. He knows. So all, yeah. we could get we could get a CAT scan now, which is cheaper, but it's not as good of imaging. Um, but we can get it right now or we can do an MRI, but we would have to schedule it. It would be in a couple of days, but it's better imaging and um, more expensive. Neither of these is going to be terribly cheap, though. Right. What do you think? <laughs> and I'm like,
2: you know, uh, with like
1: 30 seconds yeah. before going back on the air. I'm like, well, I would rather know now that it's nothing than wait a couple of days to get better imaging. You know, right. if something shows up, then we can always do more. But let's find out now. Mm-hmm. And he says, OK, so I get off the phone with him. I finish the show. Come home. Um, you know, I had a two-month-old baby, so he needed to nurse. And, you know, I'm just kind of taking my time, change my clothes, get something to eat, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, I almost didn't even go down to the emergency room to get the results because I was very much expecting to walk in and say, okay, it's time to go and walk right back out mm-hmm. the door. And um, but ultimately I did decide to go down there. And I walk into the room that they were in in the emergency room. And Will was bowled over in tears. I had never seen him crying like this. And of course, I'm stunned. Like, what in the world is going on? Well, there was a representative from neurosurgery there who had just showed him the scan of Roma's brain. And she shows it to me. And you see this huge dark spot covering like a quarter of her brain. I kid you not. It was huge. And they said, we found bleeding on her brain. And the that reason that so Will terrifying. was really, yeah, the reason that Will was really terrified is that he sees brain bleeds all the time and he knows how quickly those can go downhill yeah. and people die just like that right, from bleeding on their brain. And so um, they're like, we're going to put her in pediatric ICU. We're going to have to get better imaging to find out what's causing this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, we, we grab our things and... <laughs> Here, I thought we were going to be going right back home. We were walking up to uh, to pediatric ICU where she spent a couple of days. We met with the neurosurgeon uh, later that evening who came to tell us kind of what the deal was Mm -hmm. and said, "Okay, so we got her stabilized and. There's one of two possibilities of what could be causing this, and we're going to need an MRI to find out. And he said it could be what's known as a cavernoma. And he explained what that was and then said, or it could be a tumor, which could be benign or not, Mm. was exactly how he put it. scary. And of course... (laughs) <laughs> Me being ever the optimist, <laughs> just kidding. My mind obviously was focused on that or not, right, and and very quickly had myself convinced that we were dealing with Roma having pediatric brain cancer. Wow! But we weren't going to know. We had to spend the night in ICU, not knowing. And the next morning, we had to put a, a five-year-old girl into an MRI machine. And as we were waiting outside that outside the room. I, I will never forget my like, what I was what I was thinking in those moments. So I had a consecration prayer to Our Lady of Sorrows that I just happened to have in my purse that I was praying and kicking myself because, well, you know this, Danielle, I love talking about redemptive suffering. I know. Right? Like, yeah. This is this one is of the jam. things I love <laughs> to just push forward on the radio as much as possible. Talk about how much what a gift we have in the church with our teaching on redemptive suffering, because it is really quite beautiful that we can, we, through our prayers, through our suffering, through uniting them to the cross, can actually participate in the act of salvation, in the actual literal act of saving souls. Mm -hmm. We get to cooperate with God in that. And it is, it's incredible. But at the time I was thinking, you know, uh, that (laughs) is great, but I never thought about suffering in the way that I was experiencing it right then, which was being a mom watching my child suffer and not being able to do a darn thing about it right and and living in that 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 moment of fear of like what is going to happen so i'm praying this consecration prayer to our lady of sorrows right before we go in just praying for the the grace and the courage from her to help me if i was going to have to face a situation like she did which was watch my child suffer And possibly die,
0: Mm.
1: and so we go into this. And and I have you ever had an MRI? I haven't. No. Okay. So there are these, there are these big, huge, scary machines that are really loud and intimidating for an adult to Mm. go into. And here I was watching this tiny little body go into this uh, machine and just praying that she would stay still enough to to get a good image right. um, they did not want to usually in pediatric situations with an mri they would sedate the child so that they could stay still for the imaging but because they didn't know what was causing the bleeding on her brain they didn't want to sedate her and then her not wake up oh, gosh. um so so we were just praying that she could stay still and so we get the you know We play the waiting game for a little while longer and we get the results later. And thanks be to God, it was not brain cancer. It was this cavernoma uh, diagnosis, which Mm -hmm. is basically like this clump of blood vessels in the brain. Um, it's abnormal, obviously, but people can get them and live with them all their life and not have any idea that they have it. Um, but Romas actually started hemorrhaging, which is what was causing the bleeding on our brain. So they were able to kind of stabilize that. And so it was just a matter of taking this cavernoma out is um, what mm-hmm. the the surgeon said. You know, it's like it's not going to kill her, but It does need to come out because it could cause problems later. So I honestly am like at this point so relieved and so grateful. But we were also looking at the fact that our five-year-old had to have brain surgery. I
0: know. Who would have thought brain surgery would be the relieving (laughs) news you would hear, right?
1: I know. I know. It's amazing. But it was. It was such a relief. And so you know, once we were armed with that information, I I did what any modern mom does, right? I go to social media, mm-hmm. of course, <laughs> to tell everybody my story. <laughs> and, well, really, and to to just beg for prayers. Right. And um, and I went on the show that next Monday, begging for prayers from listeners.
0: I mean, I'm convinced that there were thousands oh, of people. Praying I was, for I remember Roma. this so vividly. It was so moving. I mean, it really was. What a, what a yeah. beautiful thing that was.
1: It really was. It really was. And so. So uh, what we had to do from from that point on. So we're this is like right around Thanksgiving time that all of this is happening, and the the plan was um, that the the doctor wanted to wait until the blood was reabsorbed into her brain before, because the brain can do that. All these things that I learned I know. about the brain that I never <laughs> knew, right? Um, so uh, he wanted to wait for the blood to be reabsorbed to dissipate. Um, were a couple of the ways that they put it. Before they actually went in to remove this cavernoma. And okay. so the doctor was estimating that it would be, you know, toward the end of January, maybe early February, that this that this surgery would need to take place okay. um, to give the brain enough time to kind of recover and. I immediately, I told you before, I'm very stingy with money, right? <laughs> and I'm thinking, end of January that I just already hit out of pocket max by putting my kid in a pediatric <laughs> ICU, and now my insurance, the insurance is going to be reset, all refreshed, <laughs> and uh, we're going to have to hit another out of pocket max. I was like, this is how people lose their homes in right, medical bills, right? right? Exactly. This is, how- I mean, I knew that my family would never let this happen, but right. but at the same time, I was terrified sure. about the the financial aspect of this. Right. I just had a baby. I mean, it was like that was a very real concern. And mm-hmm. so I immediately I didn't ask this of other people, but immediately my personal prayer was that something could happen, that this could happen before insurance reset. And um, so the plan was she had to get a weekly brain scan to kind of watch the the blood mm-hmm. on her brain. And um, then they would just kind of, you know, determine week by week until it came time that the doctor felt comfortable going in for surgery. Right. And so um, her scans were on Monday mornings and Will would take her. I'd still be at work. Will would take her. And so this takes us to December 16th. So halfway through December. right? And, um, and I'm at work. Will takes Roma in for her scan. And um, he calls me. I don't remember if this was, I think it was right after the show was over. And says, you know, Everything looks pretty normal. We move on, ok, great. Glad it's not worse. And mm-hmm. I go on with my day. and i was I had a late day at work that day. And a couple of hours later, I get a call from Children's Hospital, which is unusual because they always call will. <laughs> and um, and it was the the nurse from neurosurgery saying, Hey, uh, I have really great news for you. We took a look at the scan with the radiologist again. And it turns out that the blood clot has liquefied and doctor the doctor is ready to operate on Thursday. Whoa. (laughs) So this is Monday morning and they're ready to operate on Thursday. And I'm thinking, what in the world? I mean, I was like I was terrified, but excited at the same time. I mean, this was an answer to my prayer. right? Yeah yeah. and so, um later that night, we were, I mean, we basically camped out at my parents' house this whole time. the The boys were kind of staying with with my parents for for most of this ordeal. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm talking to them that evening, and I'm saying it was really interesting that they said that the blood clot would liquefy because I'd never heard them use that particular term. It had always been, you know, dissipate or right. it would be, you know, reabsorb or whatever. Mm -hmm. I said, this reminds me of San Gennaro. And my family looks at me like, what are you talking? Who's San Gennaro? And, you know, he's a bishop from Naples, a martyr from the the 300s, very much loved in Italy, but obviously not quite so famous in the United States, Mm -hmm. also known as St. Januarius, by the way. Okay. And I said, "Okay, here's his story. So he was the Bishop of Naples martyred, but they have this relic of his blood in Naples at the cathedral there. And a couple of times a year, this dry blood liquefies. Mm. And it's the same date every year. And actually, so I go to like look this up. I'm like, I wonder what those dates are. So it turns out one is on his feast day, which is September 19th. And then there's another date. It's like uh, it's almost like calculating Easter. It's like the the first Sunday after the first full moon of May. I don't remember exactly what that one is. The third date that it liquefies, Danielle, is December 16th. Oh my gosh. Which was the day that this was happening. And as soon as I read that, I thought, San Gennaro, why are you getting involved? You know, I mean, I was convinced that San Gennaro was there. We had been right. asking for the intercession of blessed uh, Chiara Luce Badano, who is very near and dear to my heart. If your listeners don't know who she is, go look her up yes. and make sure you have a tissue uh, when you're reading her <laughs> story. story. But <laughs> Yeah, but, um, but San Gennaro wasn't somebody that I was, you know, yeah, readily right. going to for intercession. But I was pretty convinced that he was involved given the, you know, the circumstances here. Mm-hmm. And um, so a couple of days later we meet with the surgeon right before the day before the surgery, uh, who happens to be an Italian, by the way. Of and, course. Um, of course. <laughs> and uh, we're sitting there and he's, he's talking about why he decided to go in when he did, because it's, you know, we're talking more than a month early right? Uh, based on his estimates. And he's like, well, this cavernoma is kind of like a volcano that's that's seeping lava. And so um, it's just like I just felt like, you know, it's it's just going to keep kind of seeping blood and it's not super dangerous, but it's like it's not going to get much better very quickly. So we may as well just go in was essentially I mean, he was just kind of nonchalant mm-hmm. about it. He it turns out he's like the second best surgeon in the country for this condition, wow. by the way. He just happened to be at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. But anyway, the reason that San Gennaro's blood liquefies on December 16th every year, miraculously, is because that is the anniversary of the day that his relic is said to have saved Naples from an eruption of Mount Vesuvius, a volcano.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I didn't know this part of your story.
1: and. I mean, if I wasn't convinced that San Gennaro was involved in interceding for Roma right. at that point, I absolutely was yeah. now. And I mean, I've come upon, you know, more prayer and thought in the moment or beyond that, you know, the, the moments when I was like in the midst of it. I've really come to believe that he was interceding mightily for Roma in preventing something far worse than what we went through mm-hmm. with her with her surgery. So she did end up going through surgery the next day and removed. She's fine. Thanks be to God. Yeah, and she's fine today. Amazing. And yeah. Amazing. So so I, I wanted to bring up this story because it was such a lesson to me about the importance of knowing our faith and knowing our history as Catholics, because our God is a God of history. And so he doesn't change. Mm -hmm. And if we know how he has operated in the past, if we know how his faithful have operated in the past, we can more easily recognize when he or they are operating today. And we can recognize the power of their intercession in our lives.
0: Right. That's amazing. Yeah. And I I love that you did that research. And it's like this saint was interceding for you and, you know, wanting to establish a relationship with you. And this was an amazing way to do it.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was just so incredible. And I mean, I can't prove what I believe about this. Like, I, I mean, how much I was convinced that roma had brain cancer and i i believe that san Gennaro interceded and and turned it into a cavernoma basically is what i believe i can't prove that this side of the veil right but but what it said to me in that moment danielle was that heaven was listening to our prayers yeah
0: and isn't that the most important thing like yeah what a beautiful lesson to take away from that like actually hears you know and the communion of saints yeah. is real and yeah we can like you said actively be helping one another what a beautiful mm-hmm. what a beautiful gift that is i love yeah. that story i had and, goosebumps in like six separate separate places in your story <laughs> Well, yeah, I get them too, because
1: the other thing that really moves me when i when I look back on this story and and I have to remind myself of this all the time is the power of of intercession, not just from the communion of saints in heaven, mm-hmm. which is very real and very powerful. I absolutely believe that, but also the power of the intercession of everybody here on earth for all of us for each other. Yeah. I mean, I think about the the time that that was all happening. and I was still going to work every day. So I wake up at 345 in the morning Mm -hmm. and go in and do a show from from six to nine in the morning. And then I would go back to my parents house, pick up baby Freddie and go to the hospital to relieve Will, who was um, who was staying overnight with Roma at the hospitals. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would work from the hospital room every day producing the show and then go home in the evening when somebody would be able to come and sit with Roma, you know, in the right. evenings. I'd go home around dinner time, go to bed at my parents' house and start all over the next day. And you know what is amazing? And I absolutely attribute this to the prayers of everybody else because I was not praying for myself in these days. Right. Obviously. I'm praying for my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um I was never once stressed wow. in this
0: whole time. That sounds like never a very once. stressful situation you just described. Exactly, right.
1: but it was all the prayer. If there are people listening right now who who heard my story, either on the radio or through social media or whatever, and and said a prayer for for my family, mm-hmm. I absolutely attribute it to your prayers, and and am so grateful for that because I got through it and. I mean, like, it's, it's just, it's, it's, there's no other way to explain it,
2: right?
0: How
1: else do you get through something like that, except to rely on the prayers of other
0: people when you can't pray for yourself? Mm-hmm. Right. And in situations like that, uh, you can't, I know, I've, I've experienced not that for sure, but similar things with when my kids were sick or suffering in any way. And mm-hmm. those are times when, I there. you know, I'd go to my regular prayer time and be like, I have absolutely nothing. You know, and yeah. I was very aware of needing other people to pray for me. So mm-hmm. really, just a, a beautiful gift that came out of a stressful situation you never would have chosen. But this yep. reminder to all of us that right, our God is a God of history, the importance of recognizing the communion of saints and the power of prayer for one another. What a beautiful thing came out of that, yeah, and that yeah. Roma' is alive and well and thriving. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> It's amazing. Exactly. Exactly.
1: I mean it was I mean really some some really incredible experiences that that come out of these times of suffering. So right. I am just as much a proponent
0: of redemptive <laughs> suffering as I was prior your, to your devotion. Yeah. But talking exactly. about redemptive suffering, I know you also have a devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows, which I think is in um that's an important part of Our Lady's life that for us to reflect on as human beings, but especially as mothers, because we suffer in so many, as you described, unique ways when our children suffer And that's one thing that I was kind of surprised to learn when I became a mother, like, you know, doing something nice for me, and I'm going to be grateful, but do something nice for one of my kids. And I'm like, eternally grateful, you know, like, and you just feel those things so much deeper, so much more deeply. And the same is true with suffering, you know, you know, nothing will bring out the mama bear, like if someone's picking on your kid, right? (laughs) But also, if they're, if they're suffering in some way, that's unavoidable. What a Mm -hmm. difficult thing to go through. And, you know, I always would feel like, oh, you know, bring it. Like, I'm a tough chick. Bring all the suffering. You know, I can handle it. And yet, when it comes to one of my kids... Forget it, you know. Um, right. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that. How has our Our Lady of Sorrows? So you said you were praying a consecration to Our Lady of Sorrows when mm-hmm. you were there in the hospital that day. Yeah, yeah. How has that played? Maybe in? I'll
1: send you the text of that That'd that prayer nice. that you could uh, you could post in yeah. your show notes for for listeners to to pray on their own because it's a really powerful prayer. And you know what I learned from all of that? Just having, I mean. Obviously, my situation cannot be compared with what Mary went through at the foot of the cross. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, I got a little glimpse of of what she was experiencing. Right. Because I had to sit at the foot of my child's cross. I could not take her off that cross. She had to do that suffering Mm -hmm. and there was nothing that I could do to take that away. Right. And. To sit there, it it really, it really made me understand in some ways the power of her prayers and and the reason that that she's such a powerful intercessor, our lady of sorrows, especially for mothers, mm-hmm. is um it's because she didn't look away. Mm-hmm. You know, the you sit in a hospital bed and or sit by the hospital bed, I should say. And after Roma's surgery and and seeing how deformed she looked for a while in in the wake of that surgery, it was hard to watch. Yeah. It was really hard to watch. And the only thing that I could do for her, though, was to be there. Mm-hmm. I had to be there. I had to look at her, even though it was so much more painful for me to do so. It would have been so much easier to, to turn away. I can't tell you how many times I saw other people- turn away because it's like, I just can't take it. I cannot, I cannot handle the suffering that this person is going through. Mm -hmm. And, and our blessed mother never looked away. Can you imagine watching the son of God who is your son? I mean, I would have run away. Right. Yeah. And yet she stayed there. She stayed there because she knew what this was for she knew it was her son's mission mm-hmm. and and she knew that this was for the redemption of the world and so you know we call her the co-redemptrix because she united that suffering she was suffering probably just as much as our lord was mm-hmm. sitting there at the foot of the cross not being able to take that away wow. and and to have the opportunity to take a uh, just have a little glimpse of that
0: was really powerful, really powerful. I think that's a unique role that we can play as women and especially as mothers, is that being present. Sometimes it's the doing that gets all the glory in this world, right? That gets all the applause Mm -hmm. and accolades, but it's really the presence of a, a human being who is commiserating with you, who is present in your mm-hmm. suffering, who has compassion in that moment of suffering, that's what that's what a person who's suffering needs most. So mm-hmm. Our lady was that for our Lord, and you were that for Roma. and we, and you know we women we play that role in big ways and in small ways uh, in all yeah. of our relationships. So I think it's really it's a beautiful way of kind of underscoring that that part of the feminine genius.
1: Yeah, and I'd encourage any mom that's listening right now. I mean, even for something as small as like the kid comes running to you because they fell down and scraped his knee,
0: right?
1: You know, like to remember those moments of compassion and and recognizing that you know Danielle, you and I talk about this all the time on on the radio show about being faithful in little things mm-hmm. can train you up to be faithful in the big things, and so. To recognize the power of I like to call it redemptive motherhood, mm-hmm. to recognize the power of redemptive motherhood and to, to recognize it in those little moments so that you can remember that if and when the bigger moments
0: come. Right. Um,
1: so important.
0: So important. Yeah. Okay. And well, we're almost out of time. But I do want to ask you a little bit about how do you talk to your kids about this? Because this is one of the (laughs) tricky things, right? Like, it's one thing to talk about our (laughs) our redemptive suffering that we're going to go through ourselves. But then when you're trying to explain that to a child, I mean, how did you even talk with Roma about it at the time? Or how have you communicated about this with your other kids?
1: Well, I haven't done it with the other kids yet. They're just getting to the age where this is. well, no, I take that back. When uh, I took my baby sons to um, (laughs) to be circumcised after birth, I would talk to them about (laughs) redemptive suffering. Um, But uh, no, with Roma actually being in the hospital with her, she's five. So it's like, how do you you can't go into to the depths of theology with a kid and you don't need to. Because what they recognize, and this is what I would say to Roma, I say, Roma, who do you want to pray for right now? You know, she'd she'd be struggling with something or she was in pain, um, particularly after the surgery mm-hmm. when she was in some tremendous pain at various times and, and had to be, you know, like kind of strapped in the bed for a while and she wasn't allowed to move. And it's like a five-year-old that's constantly on the move right. and being told she can't move was – Um, just as much suffering as she ever wanted in life right exactly (laughs) Um, and all I said was Roma who do you want to pray for right now because your prayers are so powerful and I believe that the the prayers of a little child in any circumstance are really powerful and I think that we need to let our kids know how powerful their prayers are but particularly in those moments even if they scrape their knee who do you want to pray for right now while you cry because you can help somebody get to heaven you can, you can help somebody who is also having a hard time right now. Mm-hmm. And, and I think just laying that foundation for them will set them up to accept the theology that they'll be more equipped to have when they're a little bit older. Right. I think
0: that's a beautiful way of putting it. It's, you know, it's not like admonishing them in any way or like telling them what to do. It's an invitation. Like, who do you want to pray for? Yeah. What a beautiful exactly. way of approaching it. I love it. Uh this has been such a powerful story, Anna. And I already knew many of those details. I didn't know quite all of them though. So I, I just know people are going to be really moved by this. So for sure, let's um let's let's share the text of that prayer, the consecration to Our Lady of Sorrows in the show notes. So folks, you can go to Ascension Press. Dot com to get those or text the word girlfriends to 33777 and you'll be subscribed you will always get the show notes in your inbox you'll never miss any of the great resources like prayers that we are sharing here on the podcast so folks can go and listen to shows after the fact or live, right at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sun like son of God, the son, son of God. Yeah, <laughs> I, I struggled with that for years. I was like Sunrise. I don't okay. S O
1: N. In fact, on the show anymore, I just say S O N RiseMorningShow dot com. And I also, if if you don't mind, I'd like to put in a plug for one other resource sure. um, for folks to to really enhance their faith, to really learn about the faith, learn about our history, mm-hmm. um, is another organization that I, I moonlight for them called the Institute of Catholic Culture. And uh, you can find all kinds of, of free adult, it's all free, adult Catholic education um, it's just instituteofcatholicculture.org. But okay. that combined with uh, this listening to the Sunrise Morning Show <laughs> and obviously sticking with Girlfriends and Danielle Bean, I glean Danielle's wisdom once a week on the on the morning <laughs> show. So I know how addicting it is to listen to Danielle talk. So uh, keep listening to Girlfriends as well.
0: Awesome. Well, we will have all of that linked up in the show notes for you. But Anna, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for welcoming me on your show. Thank you for the friendship that we've enjoyed over over these past 10 plus years, it, it, ten plus I years, know, but what a thrill to get to share you with, with the girlfriends here.
1: It was such a joy to be here, Danielle. So thank you so much. Thank you for giving me the time of day to come on my show. So <laughs> oh, of thank course,
0: you. of course. So fun. All right. We've got more of the show coming up for you, but first we're going to take a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean and you're listening to the Girlfriends Podcast.
2: Okay, so I'm gonna come talk to you about morality. Oh, there's a real conversation starter. Oh, I was just an ex-monk. Oh, he can relate to me. So in my work, I'm a professor and I'm a translator. I take ideas, I digest them, I communicate them. I've read the text, thousands of pages of Thomas Aquinas, texts in other languages. That's my job to digest. And I just wanted to go into the treasure trove, pull out the things that I had discovered Cut them out from the, all the scholarly stuff. Don't get caught up in all of the you know, details, right? The people of God deserve to have this kind of content. The truths of Catholic morality are meant to transform your life. And so I wrote this book precisely to show that these truths are not just truths that we memorize, but they're truths that we live. So to find out more about this universal call to holiness that is the vocation of all Christians, check out my new book, Made by God, Made for God, at ascensionpress.com slash catholicmorality.
0: All right, now we're at the point in the show where I like to share a little bit of listener feedback. and. This past week, I was overjoyed to get this email from Savannah. Savannah says, Hi, Danielle. I'm a high school junior and I stumbled across your podcast on Ascension Presents when I was looking for something upbeat to listen to. I quickly fell in love with the Girlfriends podcast. I'll listen to them while I'm working on projects for school or to help me get into an empowered mood. Or if I'm having a bad day, I'll go and find one that relates to what's going on in my life. An older episode where you about what to do when you mess up caught my attention a little while ago. I wanted to thank you for it. I'm a perfectionist and the checklist you provided is super useful, not just for when I do something wrong, but also when I don't want to move on from the fact that I made a mistake. I made a list of the five things with cool fonts, printed it out and placed it in different spots where I can see it. It's helping me to be a more productive and more focused on Jesus because I'm not wasting time wallowing in self-pity or self-hate. Thanks again. God bless Savannah. So I love this for so many reasons. Uh, First of all, welcome to the show, Savannah. I'm thrilled that you're listening. I love that a young single woman like you is listening, a high school junior. That is so encouraging to me. And I know I hear from college students now and then, the occasional high school students. And I love that it really just speaks to the fact that there is a broad variety of the kinds of women who listen to girlfriends. So, you know, we've got like grandmas and even some great grandmas that I've heard from. And, um, you know, single women and married women and working women and moms at home. And so I'm just so encouraged when I realize the variety of women that are listening to the podcast, because it really speaks to that fact that I came to realize on an even greater level when I wrote my book, You Are Enough, which is focused on women in the Old Testament so stories of women in the Old Testament and what we can learn from their stories because I kind of went into writing that book thinking these Old Testament stories are weird these women you know they lived in different places so far away from and so different from the life that I'm living right now but I was kind of hesitant about taking on that book project and yet I was so surprised to see and so gratified to learn some of the ways that we women across ages and generations have same problems. We have the same struggles. We have the same conflicts. You know, of course, the details vary, but we all struggle in our relationship with God. We all struggle to trust God. We all struggle to know that we're loved. And so when I hear from, you know, women from all different walks of life who are listening to girlfriends, I just love it. And and I love that you feel welcome here it's really important to me. You know, a lot of my work has been specifically focused on moms, right? And I talk very readily to women who share my kind of life circumstances, whether it was back when I was a young mom or, you know, the crazy, crazy years when all of the kids were home or now that I'm an older mom and some of my kids are leaving the nest, like I shared about in my book, Giving Thanks and Letting Go. And yet, I love the fact that we're able to It connect not just with women who share my specific life circumstances, but in all walks of life and all different ages and stages of life. That's so encouraging to me. And it's something I've realized too in the girlfriends community is that we have younger women and older women and single women and working women and moms at home and everything in between. And it's really a beautiful thing when you can see that. Like sometimes I'll go to a conference and it's all like one kind of woman who's there, you know, in a way, like it's all moms with young kids or it's all older women or that sort of thing. But I especially love it when I go to an event and it's a variety of women who are there. And I love being able to share with women from all walks of life because we have so much in common and we have so much to learn from one another. Also, Savannah, thank you so much for sharing that you kind of printed up my five things in cool fonts and put them around your house. I love that idea. I think that's so great. And if you're listening, please send me a picture of one of them or something, because I would just love to see that. It sounds like you're a very creative person. And that would be a real joy to be able to see that. But also another kind of nice tip for everybody, you know, not necessarily from the Girlfriends podcast, but if you have things like principles you're hoping to keep in mind, putting little reminders around your house and, and, you know, whether you do it in cool fonts or not, and you can just do it on a, a post-it or whatever, a sticky note and just keep it around. I think that that's a really helpful thing, you know, for years, especially when I was growing up, my, my mom would always keep a copy of the morning offering on the bathroom mirror. And that was a reminder, like as I'm sitting there brushing my teeth, like, oh yeah, I got to say my morning offering. So whatever it is that you're hoping to keep in mind and give yourself those little physical reminders. I think that's so great. Thank you, Savannah. And um, if you want to give me feedback or ask a question that I might take up in this section of the podcast, I would love to hear from you. You can email me danielle at daniellebean.com. You can connect with me on social media. I'm Danielle Bean on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or send me a Vox. If you don't know what the Voxer app is, my kids call me a boomer because I love this app. And I'm like, I don't think this is a boomer thing. <laughs> I don't know. I love leaving voice messages for people and that's what Voxer is. It's it's a way that you can very easily leave a voice message. Um, to connect with me on Voxer and leave me a message in that way, just uh, go to ascensionpress.com and check it out in the show notes there or subscribe to the show notes. Text the word girlfriends to 33777. You'll get the link to Voxer and all the other good stuff that we're sharing here every week. All right, that's all the time we have for today. But I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank Anna for being part of today's show. And you know, your presence here is such an encouragement to me. I'm so thrilled to know that we can connect through the podcast each week. I'm grateful to know that you're you're listening to what we share here. And um, I just want you to know, that I am grateful for that. I'm grateful for you and know that I'll be praying for you. I always pray for people who listen to the Girlfriends podcast and that means you. You have been prayed for and you will will be prayed for in the coming weeks. Until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation.